Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt, the podcast where I am hungover today. (laughs) My name is Jessica. And my name's Sarah. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Heaven in a Miniskirt and Twitter at MiniskirtPod, except I don't know if Twitter is even going to be a thing. It's going to (laughs) die. If you didn't say that, I was going to. If you want to visit our website, you can. It's at heaveninaminiskirt.com. So, Sarah, what do we have today? Today we are talking about demons. The demonic, Satan himself. It's it's a very broad topic, and I think we're going to have to branch out into many episodes. But we're just doing kind of like demons, an intro. In- intro to demons. Maybe I'll call this episode Intro to Demons. Yeah, Intro to Demons. So first, I kind of want to start off with what do you know about Satan and where demons originate from? In the Christian context, obviously. Good question. I don't know much. In the Christian context, I know Satan was supposedly an angel that now is maybe not an angel and now and he rules hell and the underworld now a lot of the devil stuff that i know is from like different fantasy novels and tv shows that i've watched yeah it sounds like you're pulling on some greek mythology there a bit yeah so (laughs) in the christian context i just know that people are obsessed with the devil and demons and the enemy and i just it's so fascinating a lot of this is on tiktok they're obsessed with the devil. So that's all I know. So I thought that we could kind of start off with the beginning of the sort of the story of Satan and what happened to him and why he is no longer the angel Lucifer. My question as you go through this is how much of this is actually physically written in the Bible and how much of it is just like people making it up? Well, don't worry because Sean McDowell has a good overview of that. So So after we get into the, yeah, spoiler alert, we'll get into his view right after I explain kind of the origin story of Satan. Your boyfriend, Sean McDowell. Okay. I've just, you you know, he's, he's, I know he's, how do I put it? He has like, also just, just a heads up. I've been sick the last few days and I feel like my brain is just fried. That's okay. I'm hungover, you're sick, this is going to be a rough episode. But Sean McDowell, he has the most generic views, and he puts it in a pretty concise... He's articulate. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I like what he's saying, but he can at least articulate it into a nice YouTube video. I think that's why we play him a lot. I think in terms of apologists, he's just, yeah, he's easier to digest because he uses words that aren't massive, and that like if you hadn't studied apologetics at a Christian university... (laughs) It's just a lot more... It's a lot more palatable. User-friendly. It's a lot more palatable. So I got the overview story from Satan from gotquestions.org. And gotquestions.org has a lot of... It's basically a lot of answers to questions about the Bible. And this one, the reason why I like it is because you're right. The Bible has kind of all these obscure verses. Satan, the devil, Lucifer is referred to by a wide variety of names. He's referred to as the tempter, the angel of light the fallen the adversary the adversary is that one yeah yeah so why did satan fall from heaven so satan he was the most beautiful angel that god had created in all of his creation and he was the most glorious so angels were created before the earth and before people so we had just god and a bunch of angels and satan was like the top dog angel but that wasn't good enough satan wanted to be god so he brought They say one third of the angels with him and wanted to start a war and to basically take on the position of God. He wanted to kick God off his throne. 
And so if you look into Isaiah 14, 12 to 15, Ezekiel 28, this is basically what it's saying. It's saying that Satan was jealous, he was prideful, he went to God, and then God cast him down and... He cast him down. The earth wasn't there yet, so I don't know where he went. <laughs> but but he was cast out of heaven into a different place. And then he is also referred to as the serpent that was crawling around in the Garden of Eden. So basically to sum that up, we see we see Satan and Isaiah, Ezekiel mentioned as kind of the adversary to God, the angel that was kicked out of heaven and took all of the other angels with him, like a third of them. And so those are the demons. So we got Satan, who's the ruler of the demons, and we got all the demons who are running around doing his dirty work today on earth. And so it's like one third of the angels. Is this a lot or is it like 10 angels? We don't know. Yeah. Okay. I, I think it's probably more than that, but no one knows. So Jesus, there's obviously mentions of Satan throughout the Old Testament, but I wanted to focus on the New Testament because that's where we get the theology for Christianity, you know, like Jesus sacrificing himself and then Paul saying all the things about Jesus and then all the other minor books as well. So Jesus in three of the Gospels, it mentions Jesus going out into the wilderness and fasting for 40 days. And then Jesus has a direct conversation with the devil. So he goes out into the desert, fasts for 40 days, and then hallucinates a conversation that he's having with the devil. Is what that what you're saying? That seems to me, that seems more plausible than him having an encounter with the devil. So it's interesting. So I'm going to be reading from Matthew 4 to 11. So Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. That Holy Spirit, we thought he was a cool guy. He doesn't sound like a cool guy anymore. I guess it kind of goes back to like, God's always wanting to test people, right? Because God in the Old Testament is a little bit insecure and a little bit jealous. And he's always testing people to make sure like, do you really love me? Do you only love me in the good times? Like, <laughs> He sounds like the most toxic ex-girlfriend. Like. <laughs> So Jesus was led into the wilderness after fasting for 40 days and nights. He was hungry. And the tempter, so Satan said, If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus was quoting the Torah. So he was quoting the Jewish Bible. And then the devil took him to the holy city. And he took him to stand on the highest point and said, If you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. It's funny because Satan's like, Oh, you're quoting scripture. I'm going to use your own method on you. I'm going to play this game. And so he was. He took him to the top of something and was like, Jump off. God will catch you. And then Jesus said, It is also written, do not put the Lord God to the test. But God's putting himself to the test right now. God can test you, but you can't test God. <laughs> um, so again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. So Satan's trying really hard. And Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So that was... Jesus and his encounter with the devil and so you'll see this theme of the devil wanting obviously wanting people to worship him and God testing people and the ultimate thing is the devil is trying to rule over the, the earth and the devil is trying to get as many people as he can to go to hell that is the view within Christianity 
And I'm going to share one more Bible story before we get to the Sean McDowell video. So I'm going to I'm going to share the story of Jesus sending demons into pigs. Into what? Into pigs. Pigs. Yeah. Like oink oink. Yeah, like oink oink. Sending demons into pigs. Yeah. And Jesus has many encounters with demons, casting demons out of people. He casts seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. I love, again, when things come full circle and we're like connecting it. Because we haven't touched on the demonic very much thus far in the podcast. No. This story is interesting. It starts off with like Jesus is in the countryside and then like two demon possessed men confront him and they cried out and were like, what business do you have with a son of God? Have you come here to torment us? before the time and there was a herd of pigs in the distance and the demons begged him if you're going to cast us out send us into that herd of pigs why <laughs> so then that they'll then possess the pigs so then that they'll have a place to go and they're not just like spirits so that they have a body and he said to them go and they came out and went into the pigs and behold the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the herdsman that was there, the poor owner of all these pigs, ran away and went into the city and told everything like what had happened. The word of our Lord. And then the whole city came to meet Jesus and they told him to leave their region because they're like, that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. Like, we don't want all of our pigs like running off a cliff. Like, what is going on here? So they just told Jesus to go away because they're like, clearly like some crazy stuff's going on but sean mcdowell does refer to the story of the demons in his short video that i'm going to show you so i thought that that would provide some context to everyone okay so we have the background from the old testament so far we have jesus's encounter with the devil which is a big one and then the story of the pigs just because sean mcdowell mentioned it okay here we go here's sean mcdowell what do we know about demons well the obvious place to check is scripture well, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, verses 28 through 34, Jesus casts out demons from two men, and he sends them into pigs. Apparently, the idea the story is teaching is that the demons cannot be in two places at once. So we know that demons can only be in one place at a time. He's Second, just making this up. demons cannot read your mind. They cannot read your mind. They don't have access to what you are thinking. Only God has access to what you're thinking. Now that said, keep in mind, demons are really, really smart. In some ways, it's like thinking about my wife. She doesn't know exactly what I'm thinking, but she can look at me because we've been married almost two decades and essentially know what I am thinking. Third, demons are very powerful. Demons are strong, but demons are not all powerful. They're not as strong as God. Now, the scriptures specifically reveal a few things that demons can actually do. For example, they can inflict disease, we are told in Luke 13, verse 11. They can also tempt us, 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. They can encourage disobedience, Ephesians 2, 2. And they can plant thoughts in our minds, 2 Corinthians 4, 4. So demons are powerful and demons are real. And they try to wreak havoc on the lives of Christians. But remember, they are not as powerful as God. I know that you're you're kind of like, uh, but it is a really good description of kind of the general Christian view of demons and what they can do. Yes, okay. I agree that that was a good overview of what the Christians believe that the devil can do. But I still think it's so... If you think about it, most cultures, like up until now, they've always believed in God or gods. 
and there's usually an adversary to God, like kind of like your anti-hero, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay, like I understand conceptually, like the God and then the opposite of God. There's an opposite to everything, right? So like, so it's like the yin and the yang, the black and the white, the totally. But then it's like now we're gonna add demons, which is not that's not Satan. That's like Satan's minion. So now like Satan's minions have personality traits. There's one verse in an entire book, you know, that is like, well, in Luke five, he says that the demons can inflict disease. It's just like, what are you fucking talking about? So then people will assume that people that have diseases must have gotten them because there's demons. Like, and that's how exorcisms happen. This is, oh my, I just, I can't, I fucking can't right now. It's interesting because there was Hippocrates and I mean, he was considered the father of medicine. And when did Hippocrates live? Hippocrates lived in 400 BC. So this is a very long time ago. And Hippocrates said that he didn't think that there was a sacred or divine nature to epilepsy and that there was probably a natural cause and that people attributed divine origin to it due to their inexperience and having no answer. Oh, wow. So it's interesting that even back before Jesus's time, there were still people that would view something like epilepsy, which if you've ever seen someone having a seizure, it does look like what you would think demon possession would, right? I could see people thinking like any kind of seizure would be demon possession. Okay, so the video of Sean McDowell, is that really what most Christians are like? Yeah, like that That sounds exactly what we believe with demons. Well, not not all Christians. Some Christians don't even necessarily believe that hell exists. Some of them would view it as metaphorical or as a temporary state. But if, if we're talking about evangelical Christians, the vast majority would believe in some sort of hell. So I guess when I I wanted to share like a little bit about my experience growing up and sort of what I was taught in the Baptist and charismatic churches about demons. Please do. But what were like, what were you taught? Like, what do you remember? I don't know. Like, because Catholics are really big on exorcism. I mean, I guess, I guess if you talk about exorcisms in history, it's probably all Catholic priests, right? From where we're from, I mean, like, the church that I went to, I think, was a little more progressive Catholic rather than... I feel like it's just, like, culturally Catholic. Like, you do your catechism, you do your baptism, you do your... Yeah, but you kind of just, like, live your life. Like, even the church that I went to, they didn't do confession in the same traditional way that maybe another more traditional Catholic church would do. Like, I didn't even go to church in, like, a big church with, like, a steeple and, like, you know, like, stained glass windows. Like, that wasn't what we were doing. It was more modern. So... They definitely talked about the devil, mm-hmm. but, like, they didn't really talk about the devil. Like, it was a lot about God and Jesus, the disciples, and Mary, and they might be like, oh, the devil will tempt you or whatever, but it just wasn't as talked about. Like, they just didn't talk about the Bible as much. That's the thing about the difference between Catholics and Protestants is that, like, Catholics don't read the Bible The Bible gets read to the Catholics. You talk about kind of Jesus and God as a whole, you know, that like there's more to it, obviously, but we there's not the same emphasis on being like in the word daily and having like devotional time with God. Literally nothing like that. You pray, you have your rosaries, you Mm -hmm. pray, you pray to the different saints, you pray to Mary, you pray to Jesus, you pray to different. I know. Are they? That's a no, no. Are they even (laughs) Christians? 
but you pray to different saints because you don't want to burden God with all your problems, right? God is for only certain problems. Oh, that's interesting. God has too much shit to do. God isn't there for your menial problems. That's why you pray to the saints. So they're kind of like helping out. Yes. Like, hi, you've reached heaven. Yes. (laughs) You have lost something. (laughs) Please press one. That's exactly (laughs) it. They're not worshiping the saints. God has like outsourced his duties. Yes, God is the master delegator. (laughs) (laughs) And he has his middle managers. If if you actually want a prayer answered, then they bring your prayer to God. Okay. So I feel like the Protestant God is a lot more micromanagey. He's like, no, I need to be involved (laughs) with everything all the time. I love describing God as a middle manager at a fucking Fortune 500 company. Like, that's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... Okay, so that's interesting. Anyway, we, we did go on a tangent about saints, but from what I remember to talk about Satan more broadly, but they don't talk about like these specific Bible verses where the devil can do this and the devil can do that. I found, at least in my experience in Catholicism, it was a bit more positive. Like we just talk about the positive stories, Jesus healing lepers. Yeah. So for mine, it was a little different. <laughs> I was terrified all the time. <laughs> like... And I know you're you're not supposed to be afraid because it says that if you, you can cast out demons in the name of Jesus, and if you say the name of Jesus, they're all terrified and will go away. But I was terrified a lot growing up with respect to like demons, the devil, hell, eternity. But I, I was looking back on some specific memories, and I found some... Things in the Facebook vault. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. No, Sarah, I'm so sorry for you. I know. But I'm so excited for me. So 2008, here we go. I'm going to pull it up. Oh, no. I know. Your it's poor Facebook. It's so bad. bad. This is so good. So I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want to hear the Facebook vault first or quotes from a book by C.S. Lewis? You know I want to hear the Facebook vault first. Okay. <sighs> I have two separate conversations I found. So one was with a guy that I was not seeing, but like hanging out with in like 2009. No, God, no, no, no. No, this is October 2011. Holy shit. That's (laughs) a lot later. This is like when we lived together. Yeah. So basically me and this guy, I was talking with him about how I was trying to stop smoking weed. Which that is a common theme in your Facebook vault. You smoking weed and feeling very guilty about it. And I feel so sad. Well, because weed was not legal in Canada at the time. If it had been legal, I feel like it wouldn't have been an issue. But I had been kicked off teaching Sunday school because they found out that I had smoked weed. So I was really trying to quit because I wanted to teach Sunday school again. And this was like the very, very end. Like I, I think two months later, I was just like, I'm done with Christianity. So... He was basically like, oh, yeah, one of my buddies smokes every day. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, it's totally hard. I haven't done it in three days, and it's still so tempting. The night after I decided I would stop, three different people called me to see if I wanted to go get high. Damn Satan. And he's like, yeah, usually it goes that way. So I was basically attributing the fact that three people texted me to get high. It was basically Satan's fault. And he was doing that to try and get me to smoke weed when like any other normal night, like that wasn't an uncommon thing at that point in my life for someone to be like, hey, let's hang out and get high. I was probably one of those people. Oh, yeah, probably. I'm sure I was just at home being like, do you want to smoke weed with me? Yeah. And then this one, this other one is like more intense. I was talking with a friend in June 2008 and he was telling me an experience he had. He said, I felt like there was something in my bedroom and watching me. 
And I had a big problem with fear of evil spirits then, but I just spoke out against Jesus' name and I felt the presence leave. And then I said, yeah, I have a lot of fear when it comes to evil spirits, but sometimes in fear, I freeze and don't do anything. I feel powerless, but I've been learning not to fear and I haven't felt the presence at all this week. So that is good. (laughs) This week? (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. And so in that conversation, I just kind of go on about how like basically this guy had lent me a book to read about the devil and the devil's workings within the world. I was having like nightmares because I was like reading in depth about like all the things that Satan was trying to do to ruin the world. So obviously I was like feeling really sketched out at night. So, well, okay. I mean, how many tangents could I go on right now? I could, we could talk about evangelicals definitely think that Democrats are the work of the devil. Yeah. Because, you know, trans rights, gay rights, just anyone having rights is basically <laughs> the work of the devil. It's like temptation, right? And the devil's happy because now the world is, they talk about it, the world now as if it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. Like, you know, people are having sex outside of, you don't know. I said Sodom and Gomorrah, and you're like, what? Yeah, I don't. I have no idea <laughs> you what you're don't. About. Yeah, I like. <laughs> why would I know that? Do you remember when like God turned Sodom and Gomorrah into salt, and Lot and his daughters were leaving, and he's like, "Don't look back." His wife looked back, and then and then she turned to stone, and then she turned to salt and was gone. Okay. Okay. I do. Okay. I remember watching a video of that when I was younger, and it was so scary. I remember that. Must have been a church. It must have been a church. So they did teach us weird shit in Catholic church. I did have the Bible on VHS. Like, it was like a bunch of stories acted out. It was like 10 part VHS. Maybe you showed it to me. So maybe, maybe we watched it. Who <laughs> maybe knows? you're the one who showed it to me. You're like, this is my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> movie night at my house. We'll watch all 10 VHSs of the Bible and then we'll top it off with the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But, well, what I notice, obviously, is this is not an exciting observation. But what I notice is that anything fun or anything pleasurable, anything that makes anyone feel good is the work of the devil. So, like, you have to be miserable and then you can go to heaven. Like, what is that? What is with that? Why is anything that's fun the devil? Because I think if you look at Christianity, it's a dynamic where... It's almost all or nothing where anything that's hedonistic, anything that requires self-pleasure is impure. Like everything you're doing is supposed to be sacrificing your life for others. And I think that even to this day still, I still at times feel a lot of guilt like doing things for myself. And I wonder if that's a product of that. But then you then you come full circle and you realize, okay, if I'm not actually healthy and in a spot where I'm able to do some things for myself and have a balanced life, then I'm no good to anyone else. I'm not going to be a good mother. I'm not going to be a good employee. I'm not going to be a good friend. Yeah. Another thing I notice on TikTok is the ex-evangelicals talking about how it's so hard to do anything for yourself or accept help or do any self-care. Like, self-care is not in Christian vocabulary. Yeah. Being a martyr is not going to make anyone else happy it, around you. Everyone's going to be miserable. How does this serve anyone else? If you're you're out there to serve people, you should be, first of all, making other people just, like, feel good in your presence. You can't do that if you're just always sacrificing for others. And I think I have the answer, right? There's the temporary suffering for Christ on earth for the eternal pleasure of being in heaven. It's a very, very interesting concept when you actually look at it from our lens, from our ex-religious lens. 
to truly believe that 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 when you die that there is eternal pleasure but you're only gonna get it if you suffer now like obviously it would be hard yes you're saved by grace according to evangelicals but there's still a lot of things that you are expected to do you're expected to be pure and to avoid sin and sin is sin is lust sin is wanting things that other people have sin is you know sin is being too proud of yourself sin is sin is truly just having too much fun because if you're having too much fun and doing earthly things, worldly things, then you're forgetting Jesus. Yeah. And I wouldn't say no fun because I think obviously there are lots of things within Christianity that are fun and permitted to do. Like you can, you know, like you can still exercise, not yoga. You, I mean, it depends yeah, on the yoga. Christian. Oh, no, <laughs> yoga is demonic. The community that you have at church, that was fun. Like I think they're still, they're still fun, but it's... We had fun at youth group. But that's because yeah. we were 14 and that was fun. It was fun being able to just like have all those activities to do. But I think the activities were fun, but the lifestyle was not fun. So that's kind of the problem. It's like you can do all these really fun activities. You can make cake. You can sing in a band. You can make fucking school buses out of cardboard. Like, do you remember doing that? Yeah, yeah, we did. I do remember. So the activities can be fun. But once the activity's over... You have to talk about Jesus. We're done with fun now, and we're going to talk about how you should feel guilty for having any thought that is from the devil. I think it's almost a catch-22 because I think within the church, there is a level of community. We've talked about this before. A level of community, intergenerational collaboration. It's a support system. And I think that when you leave the church... There are other hard things to deal with. Before, when I was growing up and someone that, if someone was a Christian, passed away, I was like, they're in heaven. I'm going to see them again someday. And then. And that's immensely comforting. Yeah. I, what I'm, I think what I'm trying to say is I think that there are obviously pros and cons that come with either lifestyle, but when it comes down to it, the amount of suffering and the amount of fear and the burden the burden of believing that so many people that you love are going to go to hell and that demons are just out there trying to control everyone like it was terrifying and then also like very unsettling that there's constantly demons trying to get you and then you know they're they're planting thoughts when I was growing up I was taught that there was the devil and that you know, demons were there to essentially tempt people because their goal was to get as many souls as they could into hell and that I had to be aware of them and I had to use the name of Jesus. And what does that mean? Use the name of Jesus. So if you feel like there's a demon in your presence, if you feel like something is demonic, you can say like, get away in the name of Jesus. Is that supposed to? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because the name of Jesus is supposed to be all powerful. It's like the cheat code to get them away. Yeah. And I think a lot of my view of the devil, too, was also shaped by, I think, in probably 2000, 2001, I got really interested in Revelation. But then I read a book. Have you heard of C.S. Lewis? Yeah, you have. Yes. Yeah. So Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. So he wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. He also wrote a ton of christian theological books but he wrote one book called screw tape letters that wasn't 
it's a fictional book, but it's kind of based on the Christian paradigm. So it's essentially demons that are going around and writing letters back and forth about their experiences with the humans they're assigned to. And so the, the main demon is named Screwtape. And so Screwtape is writing a letter to another demon called Wormwood, I believe. So I'm just going to read you. Actually, I want you to read this. All right. Screwtape letters, C.S. Lewis, 19... He wrote this in 1942? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I have looked up this girl's dossier and am horrified at what I find. Not only a Christian, but such a Christian, a vile, sneaking, simpering, demure, monosyllabic. Never heard that word before. Mouse-like, watery, insignificant, virginal, bread and butter miss. The little brute. She makes me vomit. She stinks and scalds through the very pages of the dossier. It drives me mad. The way the world has worsened. We have to have her to the arena in the old days. What the fuck is he talking about? In the early, like in the first century, second century, like Christians were killed in the arena with lions. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's what her sort is made for. Not that she'd do much good there either. A two-faced little cheat. I know the sort. Who looks as if she'd faint at the sight of blood and then dies with a smile. That's like really... So this is... Okay. So this is a letter that Screwtape is writing to another demon. Yeah. So they have folders on their humans. Yeah. So he's talking about a Christian woman that he's like... She's so religious that she's a... Just makes me want to vomit. He's just like disgusted by her and then it would go on like talk about the ways that he's trying to tempt her and put thoughts in her head and... Wow. And so for me reading this as a 10 year old, it was really creepy. This is definitely not a book for children. No. Like that is not something that a child should be reading. Neither is the Bible. (laughs) I'm surprised that you knew what many of these words even meant. It's a very old timey language. And like, this is definitely adult language. But this was like what I was interested, like C.S. Lewis. I read all the Chronicles of Narnia and then I got into his, his nonfiction. I mean, this is like nonfiction fiction. I mean, now I view it as fiction. I didn't go back and read the book or anything, but I just kind of wanted to give you a sample of like... Yeah. So the whole book is kind of like that they're talking about... They're talking about the humans that are essentially the ones they're assigned to and the ways that they're trying to take them off the straight and narrow and get them to hell, essentially. So so you read this when you were 10? Uh, maybe 11. I might have been 11. Oh, well, that's a difference. Uh, and, then, and then what? And then you were terrified of... Doing- I was terrified. I just felt like everything I was doing... Every thought I was having, I, cause you know, when you're a Christian, like it's one thing to worry about God watching you all the time and God getting angry if you're doing a certain thing, but then to be looking at every corner and be like, oh my gosh, there's like demons that are assigned specifically to me and they, their whole goal is to fuck me up. Their whole goal is to make it so I am, so I'm not following God. And then you question all your thoughts too. Cause you're like, was that me? Was that a thought from the devil? Is that wrong? Is this na 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 na? Whoa. Talk about anxiety. And I mean, I'm someone with generalized anxiety. So obviously like Holy you saw those messages in 2008, like that was still something that was definitely like occupying my thoughts. So as an adolescent, you were like, so you're feeling presence of Jesus and the devil and all of these thoughts that you're having in your head are something that you think is coming from an external force. Like you can't even trust the thoughts in your own head. Exactly. Yeah. That is super sad. Yeah. That's not good. And the only thoughts or the only things that came from God would be things that were supported by scripture. Right. So if you think about everything else is just like a temptation. Yeah. Did you ever think that you were ever thinking your own thoughts or do you think your thoughts were just like all these external 
forces. No, no, I, I thought I was thinking my own thoughts, but I thought any sort of like temptation or like desire to do anything that didn't align with the, you know, with the rules of the church I was in, that that was the devil trying to get me, right? And then intrusive thoughts. Yeah. You sent me this horrid TikTok of this guy going on about how intrusive thoughts are actually from just thoughts from the devil and that's what i thought would be good to watch no i have the i have the link for it god damn it Ah, right. <laughs> uh, it's really long i can't watch oh my god he's so crazy okay i don't actually have the one here i do have a couple tiktoks to share though yes okay so you don't have that one which is totally fine because it's horrible let's watch TikToks. you ready this man so it's captioned to hell for 23 minutes and this is what it looked like this man went to hell for 23 minutes. Listen to how he describes the demons he saw in hell. I was standing beneath this tunnel, like uh, cavern walls that were sending upward. And all along the cavern walls were demons. Uh, some were only two and three feet tall. Some were 12 and 13 feet tall. But every one of them were twisted and deformed and grotesque, the most hideous looking creatures. And I noticed there were snakes crawling all over everything. And then I looked and I, I was standing on a bed of maggots, just solid maggots crawling all over everything and everybody. But remember, Jesus said, um, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And he used the word maggot. And Isaiah 14, 11 says, where the maggot will be spread under thee and the worm will cover thee. It's this is no joke. Hell is a real place. Repent of your sins today and turn to Jesus so you never go there. Like and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button. <laughs> this is such a fucking idiot. But this, okay, this has 116.8K likes. So, wow. So basically in this TikTok, it's just this guy with glasses and he's like, this man was in hell for 23 minutes and then there's a man in the screen behind him talking and i love the guy in the glasses the whole time he looks so fucking smug <laughs> the whole time he's like mm -hmm, there's megan he's the smug little fucker he is a smug little fucker yeah <laughs> okay so like you just had a dream yeah so this guy i mean that does sound like an awful place to go to of course but like we've all had nightmares you didn't go to hell like what are you talking so yeah, hell is kind of referred to as having all these really gross things. So did he, did he like die or something, this guy? To be honest, like it looked like a super old video and I honestly just didn't care enough to click on it. <laughs> yeah, and that's fair. That is an example of someone's view of hell and yeah, no joke, that would not be fun, I guess. Um, I'm, I got another TikTok. These are the TikToks that you send me like on the daily. There were some that were like really, really sad. They had children in them. So I'm not going to share those ones because I feel like it's pretty exploitive to be like yelling at a child, putting your hands on like this poor child is like is already on well and clearly has like some mental health issues and to be trying to exercise a demon and then posting it on social media or taking a video, I just, I feel like it's very exploitive and very traumatic. So the video I'm going to share is some dude that apparently has a demon and it's being cast out. I don't feel as bad when it's an adult sharing something like that. It feels less exploitive. So here we go. Real demonic possession. Jesus is coming. So... <laughs> right there it's just you're like this just can we just talk about the scene like this dude's just on the floor and everyone's like standing around like hands out <laughs> and he he looks like he's in a, in a high school gymnasium on the basketball court floor yeah so and he he looks like kind of like just like a normal dude right there but we'll see what's coming in the name of Jesus Christ because that's not God's purpose for his life 
pose at the end yeah yeah oh my god (laughs) so a couple thoughts on that like i have seen i've been in rooms like that (gasps) oh so uncomfortable have you really where at new frontiers oh no they exercise a demon out of somebody and someone's like arching their back like ah yeah like (laughs) i like that (laughs) or just like screaming and crying and not like quite to that extent like that was like very very graphic But you really, I just really feel for the people that are in those positions. The the person, I feel for the person that's there. You're like, this person is probably very unwell. Like, do you think that, okay, so what what you've seen at the church, was it people that were probably unwell? Well, I don't, like, I didn't know them personally. So they're like, they're just there. Like, and I didn't, obviously didn't have any follow up. But I kind of looked into it a little bit more and demon possession is a disorder in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Psychiatric Disorders. Like the most recent really? one. Really? It is called DID. So it's like... Dissociative Identity Disorder? Yeah, it's underneath. So it's like disruption of identity characterized by two or more distinct personality states, which may be described in some cultures as an experience of possession. So it's like, it's under the category of DID, which is actually pretty rare, but it tends to be brought on by like immense trauma that you've gone through and you're compartmentalizing. The person on the floor did not look like they were doing well. No, not at all. Yeah, I didn't get super into that too, because I felt like, again, mental health and demons could be a whole other episode. I feel like we know that religious experiences are experienced widely across religions, spiritual experiences across humanity. We know that things like speaking in tongues are not attributed to any sort of mental illness. And obviously, tons of people believe in demons and the demonic. And I mean, we all have intrusive thoughts. I can I can totally appreciate where those beliefs would come from or how that experience could kind of be confirmed when you're using the Bible as your worldview. If you're looking to have like a really black and white view of life in general, it's really easy to attribute like, oh, all the bad thoughts in my head are actually from this one guy. It's like the, you know, it's like the angel and the demon on each shoulder, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah. But again, I guess today that was really, I wanted to give the overview, my experience growing up, sharing like some TikToks of people nowadays and, and of Sean McDowell, of course. Yeah. We can't make Sean McDowell. But I was wondering, Jessica, because I do think that the story time will be interesting and meaty, and I did not mention it for a specific reason, because this story that you're going to share, Jessica's going to do story time with Sarah today. Yay! Welcome to story time with Sarah. Sit back, relax, and enjoy a story from our favorite book, the Bible. Story time with Sarah is actually going to be story time with Jessica today. Woo! I just got to sit back and relax. Except, uh, we'll see. (laughs) So, (laughs) Sarah told me that she wanted me to do the story of Job today. So, anyone who's a Christian listening knows the story of Job. I even knew the story of Job. Okay, so, 
this is the story of Job. This is going to be pretty uh, condensed because it's a whole book. It's a book of Job. So Job is a wealthy man living in a land called Uz. He has a large family and a huge flock of animals, and he's blameless and upright, always careful to avoid doing evil. So it says, one day Satan appears before God in heaven. God boasts to Satan about Job's goodness and godliness, but Satan argues that Job is only good because God has blessed him abundantly. Satan challenges God that if given permission to punish the man, Job will turn and curse God. God says, sure, but says Satan cannot kill Job in the process, so he can do anything else. So in the course of one day, four messengers come to Job and they come one after the other. So each conveys a message that Job life has basically fallen apart. So one says that his livestock has died. The other one says his servants have died. The other one says his kids have died. And and he had like seven kids. Yeah. So he has like a lot of fucking kids. Job tears his clothes and shaves his head in mourning and says, naked, I come from my mother's womb and naked, I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord have taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Satan appears in heaven again and says basically the same thing as he said before. Like, he's only, you know, he still will curse curse your name if I keep doing horrible things to him. God says, sure, go ahead. Which is, like, so fucked up. Yeah. So Satan went out in the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery, scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife tells him to curse God and die, and he still says no. I would be that wife. At that point, I would be that wife. I would be like, fuck this. So three of Job's friends come to visit him, and they sat with Job in silence for seven days out of respect for his mourning. On the seventh day, Job speaks, beginning a conversation in which each of the four men shares his thoughts on Job's afflictions and they do like these long poetic statements that i am not going to read because it's super long his friends say that job must have upset god somehow and that his children must have brought this onto themselves job gets upset with them and says he didn't do anything wrong and that he's blameless job ponders man's relationship with god he wonders why god judges people by their actions if god can just as easily alter or forgive their behavior Job admits that he doesn't even understand himself well enough to effectively plead his case to God. He wishes for someone who can mediate between himself and God or for God to send him to Sheol, which is the deep place of the dead. Hell. Oh, so to hell. Yeah, the the Jewish, like the Jewish version of hell. It's a lot more ambiguous. Oh. So then just enters another friend out of nowhere named Elihu. The young Elihu believes that Job has spent too much energy vindicating himself rather than God. He explains to Job that God communicates with humans in two ways, visions and physical pain. Isn't that lovely? Thanks, God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He says that physical suffering provides the sufferer with an opportunity to realize God's love and forgiveness when he's well again, understanding that God has ransomed him from an impending death. Elihu also assumes that Job must have been wicked to be suffering as he is, and he thinks Job's excessive talking is an act of rebellion against God. So he's like, shut the fuck up, Job. (laughs) (laughs) So then God finally steps in. God finally interrupts, calling from a whirlwind and demanding Job to be brave and respond to his questions. Overwhelmed by the encounter, Job acknowledges God's unlimited power and admits the limitations of his human knowledge. This response pleases God, but he's upset with Job's friends for spouting poor and theologically unsound advice. Job intercedes on their behalf and God forgives them. And then God returned Job's health, providing him with twice as much property as before. New children and an extremely (laughs) long life. The end. 
I'll just give you these new kids. Yeah. Fuck them. Like, what the fuck is this story? <laughs> the story of Job is terrible. This is a terrible story. And what I'm assuming is this is supposed to teach people that God will test you. And even if he tests you and kills all of your children, he'll probably just replace them with new ones. So you can never, you shouldn't curse God's name. The moral of the story is that regardless of what happens, we should be faithful to God. And everything is meaningless in life other than God. Like God is the point. Even your children are meaningless. Well, it's interesting because if you look at the book of Ecclesiastes, people often look at Job and Ecclesiastes in parallel because Job has everything and loses everything and still praises God. And then if you look at Ecclesiastes, he has access to everything, wealth, he doesn't lose anything. Like King Solomon has like all the things and he's just like, I have all the things, but it's meaningless without God. So again, God is the point. I also don't understand the need for God to get all of this external validation from his creation. That is such a human thing. Yeah, like such a human thing. And God is referred to as the father. And you think about, okay, me, my job as a parent is not for my children to validate me. And (laughs) I should not do bad things or take away the good things my kids have to see if they actually still love me or they only love me because I provide for their needs. Like that seems so toxic and abusive and manipulative. The character of God the Father in the Old Testament, like we could unpack all of that. And I mean, according to Christians, that is the same God. So... When I was growing up, I just found it really weird that, like, Satan could just go to God and be like, oh, hey, like, can I mess with this guy? Because, like, I don't think he actually likes you. And then God's like, oh, yeah, you can you can do what you want. Don't kill him. Yeah. But, like, kill all his children. Don't give a fuck about them. <laughs> like, it's just really, it's just really sad. And, like, you didn't get into the, his health was so bad. Job had, like, boils all over his skin and, like, leprosy. Like, he got all this stuff. Yeah, like, he got, he got real fucked. And, like, okay, I don't know. It's great that he never cursed God's name or whatever. But, like, this is just a really crappy story. A crappy story about a being in the sky that's too insecure and just doesn't give a shit about the suffering of apparently the people that he created. Suffering is good. Like, no, it's not. Suffering sucks. And yes, like, if we talk about all different religions, like, suffering is a huge part of a lot of religions. But I think for some religions, it's like, yes, suffering is inevitable, but it shouldn't be brought upon by your creator. No, and it wasn't even like he did something bad. Like, I find it more palatable to be like, okay, God being like, I'm going to punish someone because they broke my laws. I can understand that more. But it's weird because I think that God's character gets a lot more loving in the New Testament. Like not perfect by any means, but like the God in the Old Testament is just, he is angry and he is mean and he is jealous. He's like a two-year-old. He's like a dad. And then the God in the New Testament's like a grandpa. Because like, it's like always like dad always softens (laughs) up for the grandchildren. So it's like almost God became a grandpa. That seems to be what happened. That's where the disconnect seems for me because, okay, like Jesus was God becoming human. But then Jesus was like such a good dude. Jesus was like so loving and he was like, you know, feed the people that are poor. Like he was bringing people back to life. Casting out demons. I mean, I feel bad for the pigs. I think the pigs really lost out in this (laughs) Moral of the story, those poor damn pigs. (laughs) They didn't do anything wrong. And then they died. I know. What happened? What happened to Job's wife? What did happen to Job's wife? I don't know. Does it talk about it? What does the Bible say about Job? Job's wife. 
So you don't really hear much about her. Like she was obviously a victim by all of it. And um, okay, so yeah, she's not really mentioned in the ending, but in the Jewish Apocrypha outside of the Bible, it says that like his wife essentially like wandered out to the wilderness and died and then he married someone else. (laughs) (laughs) So so all is well. So the Bible doesn't really speak to what happened, but why would it? It's a woman. Why why would the Bible care? And she didn't have a name either. She was just Job's wife. Yeah. But I I feel for her. I mean, I don't know that she actually existed, but if she did, I really I really feel for her and I think that she was right. I would have said all the same things. After all that, like when he's when he's just like Oh, but like God is still good. I'd be like, well, even then, I don't know. Like you don't have to be like, fuck you, God. You could just be like, let's not talk about God in this moment. Why does God even have to come into this? Like, that's just my own opinion. I don't, I don't ever think about God except for when I do this fucking podcast. Yeah. Or when you're on TikTok now because the algorithm. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like I didn't think about God for 15 years and now all I do is think about religion and how much I dislike it. It's just a new pivot in my life. Yeah. And then people just try to convert us to Christianity. I know. We're getting some DMs now, which is... Fun development. I mean, like, I appreciate people sharing their experience. And, like, I'm open... I'm open to, like, have dialogue. But there's a very big difference between a conversation and someone being, like, trying to convert you. Like, you can always kind of tell. So, what's our lesson from today, Sarah? Our lesson today is that... Humans, I think humans like to have a sense of right and wrong. And a lot of religions like to place Abrahamic religions. So like Islam, Judaism, Christianity, place kind of God as the king of the right. And then Satan as the king of the wrong. And it's this constant tension between the two. And it's like God is eventually going to win out. Spoiler alert, revelations. But what was I even saying? I was saying, what is the point of today? There is no point. There is no point other than the fact that I spent hours and hours and hours of my life stressing about this and there's no point it was all me it was all in my head the whole time in my opinion well everything uh, your whole life is spent in your own head right Mm, only god can access your thoughts but demons can put thoughts in (laughs) so our next episode is going to be our christmas episode yes that'll be fun we're gonna uh it's gonna be fun uh it's gonna be released just before christmas so buckle up and um we will see you then sounds good this is all on tiktok i gotta get off tiktok man people are fucking crazy (laughs) no 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 you gotta go to gotquestions.org that's where you gotta go (laughs) if you want to know the answer (laughs) 